Hey everybody and welcome back to the third episode of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. I am so excited to be back and this is a very exciting episode because I go way back with this guy, oddly enough. I remember watching his stream when it was like three or four people. I just happened to randomly pop into it and then he ends up in the top 10 of Rocket League teams way back when they did the power rankings early on in 2015. And now he is the king of content in Rocket League. Corelli, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. Wow, you really laid out the red carpet for me and I appreciate it. But thank you. No, Dude, thanks for having me. I don't I don't know if it makes it awkward or weird, but I just I think it's so funny that like I, I literally just one night on Twitch was like, I'm going to go find some random person to watch and and try something different instead of watching like Cronovia or something, you know, one of the big streamers at the time. And I think I just popped into your channel and you were really good, uh, you know, super chill, very conversational. And I was like, this guy is so cool. And then <laughs> I remember saying like, dude, you need to try and play in tournaments. And then you started playing in tournaments and then you were like doing well in tournaments. You guys made it. So I don't know. You just, you hold a special place in my Rocket League heart. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. And we also did, I think in 2015 uh, or maybe early 2016, I, I was with you um, on another talk show podcast as well. So this isn't even, this isn't our first time conversing about rocket league either so yeah we go way back i remember uh, talking to you quite a bit in the early days yeah oh yeah we would chat i mean every now and then you would even carry me in twos and i was bad back then like i was <laughs> oh i don't want to say bad because i don't want to make anybody feel bad i was not nearly as good as i am now and you were patient enough to play with me then which i appreciate and we've even met in person you're like one of the only rocket league people that I've actually met in person. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, I remember that. And uh, that's awesome too. I actually love meeting people, especially people like you that I've talked to a little bit and I, I have a little bit of rapport with um, and, and talking to them over the years. I mean, now Rocket League's been what? Four years old? Over four, four years, years old. yeah. So there's a lot of people that I've been able to meet and talk to and, and get to know. So it's really nice to be able to still... Uh, have connections throughout i mean over the four years of this game yeah and now that you're a big wig <laughs> doing rlrs and bts coming up i mean i appreciate that you uh take time to hang out and and chat with me still hey not a problem no problem at all <laughs> well we have i mean so many things have happened in the past even 48 hours past week We've had the announcement of RLCS 8. That's really exciting. And they also announced over the weekend that they're getting rid of crates in Rocket League. But we don't care about that because that's not what this podcast is about. We're here to talk about playing Rocket League. So, I mean, obviously I already said that you were once one of the, the many greats that were in competitive Rocket League before RLCS, before those things. But you were there, so obviously you're pretty good. But now your focus is on casting, but you're still playing a decent amount. So why don't you run me through like what 
your playing looks like right now? Like, what do you spend most of your time doing uh, in Rocket League? Well, uh, first of all, I think <laughs> I play kind of like a psychopath, to be honest. And I say that a lot, and I don't think I really explain what that means. But this is the perfect place to do it. <laughs> uh, my play style has kind of evolved to what it is now because of the lack of time that I get to play. Like I don't get to put in 10 hours a day. Like I used to, like when we were talking way back in the day, I was able to play eight, 10 hours a day. And it's why I was able to get to the top 20, top 10 or whatever it was in the leaderboards. But like, obviously with the less time you don't get uh, refined mechanics, you don't get game sense. You don't get all of that with the hours that I get to put in now. So to make up for that, I've I've developed this like weird play style that is highly aggressive, but also you know not over committee. You know, meaning I'm not double committing constantly uh, for every single ball, and it is turned into this monstrosity of low mechanics, ball chasing, but smart ball chasing, and I'll bump you and demo you a lot, and it still works. It's funny because I always talk about how easy it is to get to grand champ. And I know for some people that that might be mean or like a slap in their face because they can't do it, but it really doesn't take as much as what people think to get to grand champ. Like people look at their pros. You look at Garrett, you look at squishy, you look at any, any pro KDOP, especially you look at these guys and they're amazing. And yeah, of course they're going to be grand champ. They're professional players and they're fantastic at the game, but you don't have to be that guy or even any inkling of that to get close to grand champ. And that's what I always tell people, especially people on the grind. Like I have buddies who are diamond. They get up to maybe champ two and they're like, ah, how does people get to grand champ? And so, you know, I can play with them on my main account and I can give them a taste for that of like low grand champs. And they're like, Oh, these guys really aren't that much different than my champ twos or maybe even a champ three player. It's, it's really like not that much different. It's just the little things. And it, that's kind of the beauty of rocket league overall. Well, I think there was so much good stuff there and I completely agree with you. And going back to like the comparison of KDOP, squishy, Justin, like those guys, Garrett G in grand champ, like Grand Champ starts at what, 15 something? Like 15, 20, 25, something like that. Right. And some of them are in the 1700s, in the 1800s in MMR. Like that's a 300 point difference. KDOP's if, 2K. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's insane what their MMR is. So say you take that 300 off of the 1500 and then all of a sudden you put yourself right in the middle of Champ 1, Champ 2. So... Like there, there is an extreme difference in between those two categories. Like, so looking at Squishy and being like, that's what I have to be to be grand champ is just ridiculous. Yeah. So I tweeted this out, I think a month ago or a couple months ago, where I said it was like the three or four or five steps to grand champ. And it was, you sit on your side, you hit the ball into the corner. You wait for them to hit it back. You keep hitting into the corner until they miss the touch or they have a bad touch. You shoot on the net, force a tough save, and keep shooting on the net till you score and make or forcing tough saves. And I know it sounds so simplified, but it, it totally works. I mean, if you just throw the ball into the corner enough times, people will miss. Now, this is not good advice. This is not good advice at all, but it does work. 
And it's something that I've done and I've told my friends to do, especially at low ELO, because people at lower ELO have struggle uh, on the walls, in particularly in their own corner. The pressure's on, they may have low boost, they know they have to make this touch. And if you wait for their mistakes to happen, you can take advantage. And again, bad advice. I, this is not something that you should be doing to get to Grand Champ, but it, it does work. And it's something that I, I've done <laughs> many times. And I see it all the time too, is, is you just wait. It's the point is you wait for mistakes. You force the mistake and you wait for the mistake to happen. If you put right. them in a position to make a mistake, then you, and you're able to take advantage of it. It's easy pickings, especially all the way up into low, low grand chap, even up, even up to 1600, it still works. And I think that's what I've discovered mostly, especially after talking to achieves in the last episode he talks so much about just positioning and game sense and game knowledge. And then have you, I don't know if this interests you at all, or if you've watched it at all, or if you even pay attention, but have you watched Rizzo's uh, um, Road to Grand Champ series that he's been going through right now? Uh, not all of it, but I, I did see uh, the first episode. And I think I saw the one where he lost to the silvers because I wanted to see that happen and laugh. But yeah, I've seen it a couple times. <laughs> so I'm like right at that diamond two, diamond three right now in twos. And I just watched the diamond episode and it just blew my mind how little boost he used in that episode and how like he was always in the right place for the ball and I'm sure the opponents look like, oh man, he's playing so fast. But really what it was, he was just in the right place yeah. at the right time. Like there's such a big difference if you're not crowding your teammate, if you're thinking about where the ball is going to go, the game gets so much slower and it gets so much easier. Yeah. Well, and it, it's actually a really good example of um, commanding your own space. And that's uh, what you said about being fast is when someone describes a player as being fast, it's not because they're moving their car any faster than possible in the game or anything like that. Um, or it doesn't even mean that they're using a lot of boost. What it means is that they're constantly, or sorry, I should say consistently in the right spot at the right time to either stop an attack, stop a shot, cut off a pass or, or receive a pass or have a shot, you know, whatever it may be offensive or defense. Um, and so what Rizzo does in these videos or any pro or any good player, honestly, doesn't have to be a pro. It really shows obviously his game sense. Um, but most importantly is he knows how the game is going to kind of manifest itself itself as the ball moves around the field. And so he can predict where the ball is going to go and what people are going to do. I mean, he knows what most of these players are capable at their ELO, right? And silver you know, I haven't played in silver ever, but I, I, you know, they don't, they can't do a lot of things. And Rizzo knows that. So it lowers the amount of options that each player has to beat Rizzo. And Rizzo obviously puts himself in like a 99% chance to win a challenge or, or receive the ball, whatever it may be. And it just goes to show that that game sense, that game knowledge, someone like Rizzo, obviously a pro uh, can exploit without having to do much, without having to boost, without having to jump. I remember Gibbs used to have series where he wouldn't jump or use boost or, you know, any of the, yeah. you know, crutches that the rest of us normies have to use in low elo because it's seriously game sense alone and game knowledge can get you through um, the first few ranks. It was a gold or uh, sorry, bronze, silver, gold. Um, you can get a lot farther by just knowing the game so well. You don't have to have these Garrett G mechanics. 
Well, and it's so interesting. And I really feel like that is what separates so many players that are in even like high gold, platinum, and really all throughout diamond. Diamond Diamond is so interesting to me. I feel like you you need like just hours of analysis to figure out what goes through yeah. people's mind in diamond. Anyways, <laughs> like there are people in gold and platinum that and I don't I don't want to push this down or say it's not cool or like not good for them, but like there are people posting like flip resets and ceiling shots and things like that on Reddit all the time that are, Oh, I'm in gold. And I hurt, I hit my first ceiling shot, like cool. But if, if you just focused on like being at the right place at the right time, you could easily get to platinum. Yeah. So easily like stop practicing ceiling shots or practice ceiling shots. But then when you get in the game, like hit, take (laughs) advantage. Get it when it comes your way, but don't just focus on hitting ceiling shots. Like, sit in front of the goal and, like you said, wait for somebody to mess up or try and pass your teammate the ball, and you're going to score 10 times more goals. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And that was a huge problem, actually, after RLCS Season 4 when Squishy hit that ceiling shot during the World Championships. That was like a humongous shot, and it was crazy. Uh, People in ranked, especially higher ELO, when everyone was still learning how to do ceiling shots, would just go for them like psychos every single time. <laughs> and it's frustrating. It really is. And there are there are there have been mechanics throughout Rocket League's history um, that people have tried to do in ranked that are not really things that if you can't nail it, you should be going for in ranked. Because a lot of times, like a ceiling shot, it ends up just giving free possession. You with no boost in the back of the net tumbling away because you missed your flip or you lost your flip, and you used all your boost for your ceiling shot. So, yeah, especially in Diamond in particular, where the game is just this crazy Petri dish of weird skill and weird things happening. I've seen... I mean, I play with my buddies in Diamond. They're, it's a really strange elo, and it's it's really hard. It's actually, I think, one of the hardest elos to kind of predict what's going to happen with all that game knowledge. I think even Rizzo tweeted about it, because I think he got into Platinum and Diamond, and he tweeted, he said, he's like, this is the craziest e-log. I don't know what's going on. And it's so true. I, I've, yeah. I've experienced it too with my buddies. I'm like, how do you guys play with this? Like, how is this normal to you? It's a crazy elo and it's going to, there always has to be that elo, right? It, it's never going to go away, but it can get better. Like the overall skill can go up. And I think it comes down to doing what you can do and do it well, right? Not going for the ceiling shots, not going for the flip resets, especially that's another big one. Flip resets off the ball in particular. You don't, I mean, Trust me, it's super helpful to do, but you don't need it in Diamond. You really don't. You can win without it. So and it's interesting. And so I, I, I've wavered in threes all the way from Champ 2 to Diamond 3. And then in twos right now, I'm actually Diamond 2. I just went down to Diamond 2 from Diamond 3. And quite honestly, like I don't see a lot of people going for crazy flip resets or ceiling shots. That doesn't happen a lot. What does happen a lot is something that like people are on top of each other or people are too conservative. Like it's people live in the extremes in Diamond and they like the game sense just isn't quite fully formed where you can take that next step into champ. 
or people have mechanics that are just so crazy good that it just moves them into champ. But I feel yeah. like what's lacking is just a core understanding of how to play the game. And really, you can see that so clearly in the Rizzo Diamond video. If if you are listening to this and you haven't watched that video, it's 45 minutes long, but he plays like four or five games because he actually loses a game in Diamond that uh, he blamed on his teammate, <laughs> which I thought was classic. But it's it's just... it's he does his best to like play at a diamond level where like when squishy did his like squishy just played like squishy and he yeah. dominated people. Um, but Rizzo tried to play like a diamond and not go crazy, which I really appreciate because it showed me like really how slowly and how easy it is. If you let the game come to you. Yes. That's a great point. That's a great point is you don't have to always be on the ball. Um, and unless you have mechanics like some someone like Squishy, where you can you know air dribble across people and always have a perfect touch into your first touch, you always have a perfect touch off the wall. Um, you don't you don't have to do that. And that's that was kind of my point at the beginning of this, is you don't have to be a god at the game to be good at it. <laughs> you don't have to be this mechanical genius. All you have to do is be smart. And I think, uh, Tom, what you said earlier... And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Diamond. I, I don't play in Diamond much. And when I'm playing with my buddies, I kind of just goof around. But from what I can tell, and this is just my own theory from the games I've played, is Diamond is really tough to play in in particular because of the massive skill difference in players who either have focused on certain mechanics that have made them very good. Like, let's say someone's gotten really good at flip resets, or let's say someone's really good at dribbling. That was something early on in the game that always got me, and it still does, is people who are really good at dribbling the ball, they beat me every single time. I say this all the time when I play, is I'm really bad at people who bring the ball down, um, or bad at defending them. But in Diamond in particular, there's either people who learn a mechanic, like I said, very, very well, or there's people that have learned the game improperly and i think it's a byproduct of just being in diamond you get infected you know with this certain play <laughs> style of 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 a fiesta but i think it's really important for anyone who's in diamond to really think critically about what you see pros do in their streams if you're watching them or even just in, in rlcs although rlcs is a little a little different because you can depend on all your teammates in rlcs and there's a coordinated effort um, and diamond, that's not the case uh, too much, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really tough elo to learn the game properly at because nobody is playing the game correctly. <laughs> is the point? <laughs> so I think all of those things are good points, and I'm I'm trying to take some notes because I want to make sure that I don't forget anything. Um, and this is this is just me. There's a thunderstorm going on behind me. I don't know if you can hear it. Oh but yeah. Maybe maybe that is just diamond manifesting itself <laughs> as Sounds we're talking like about it. Um, I really want to do everything that I can to like change the mindset that people have about diamond in Rocket League, like. And I know it's just the internet and like the rant, like the anomin anomalous, 
the anonymous aspect of it, but like, I just want to like reframe how people think about diamond, like, and like you said, infected, I'm like, wow, infected, what a nasty word that is. But anyways, like, so I'm, I'm thinking about diamond and, and what I think it is, is like, there's so much confidence in diamond, like people hit the ball really well. Most people can aerial really well. Most people can hit the ball off the wall reasonably well. But at the same time, like nobody trusts their teammates because they lost one game or one thing went wrong. And they just don't feel that their teammate or teammates are capable of doing what they need to do to move the ball forward. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, that's kind of the thing, though, is you have to learn how to play with your teammates, even if they're not willing to play with you. And if you're good enough, obviously you're able to take over the game. I mean, Rizzo could have taken over a diamond game when he wanted to. Sure. Totally. Uh, But that's obviously if everyone could do that, nobody would be diamond. So um, I I think it's, uh, again, in my personal opinion, I agree. I think there is a stigma of being in diamond. (laughs) 100%. Definitely is. Um, I mean, I see it in my own buddies who are diamond. I mean, they're, they're goofballs playing the game. Uh, but I think it's, it was something that I realized when I, uh, play actually started playing some other games outside of rocket league, um, was that I, I kind of realized that in any coordinated game, let's say take a MOBA like league of legends or in Mm -hmm. rocket league, obviously at lower ELO or like this mid level ELO, there's a lot of like where you're in your, your limbo between being good and being bad, which I think is what diamond is there's a lot of blame game going on and a lot of like internal mistrust to other teammates, like you're saying. And I think that's something that everyone needs to get over. Um, And I think that people get invested, especially in rocket league when the games are so quick, they get invested too much in a singular game in a four hour play session. You know, if you sit down and you play for four hours, you can play. I mean, I don't know how many games, like 30, maybe 30 or 40. If you're playing 10, 10 an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. 10 an hour, sure. Um, maybe less than that, probably more like seven or eight, but yeah. an hour. But still, that is a lot of games to be playing mm-hmm. over four hours. And because Rocket League, the beauty of it being so short, I mean, you lose a game. You've got to kind of mentally reset and move on and 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 approach the next game with kind of a, a clear mindset, meaning, you know, you're going to trust your teammates for as long as you can until they show that they're not capable of something, or you're going to, you know, play as a team or, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, you should be going into every game with a team oriented mindset. Right. And that's something and that I do even when I play, but uh, you know, there are times when a teammate will show me, it's like, Oh, he can't handle things off the wall, you know, <laughs> or he's struggling with that. Then I could maybe start to not trust him, but I still support him. You know, like I, if he's going to go up for something, I let him do it, but I'm going to be cautious on his approach and make sure that if he does miss or mess up, I'm there to make up for the mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, what I see in, in diamond is just, and I, I might be sounding like a broken record, but I, I feel like it's just taking that step to learn how to actually play the game. Yeah. Like cohesively. Well, you know what I was going to say when you were talking about letting go of a game, there, there are a couple big things that go into that is 
Yeah, like everybody gets b- stuck with bad teammates every now and then. Like sure. even if you want to support a teammate, even when it's clearly your ball, then they come up out of nowhere and hit the ball. Like, yeah, there are bad teammates out there. Don't take that into the next game. Yeah. Like that teammate was in that last game. Yeah, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but that game is done. That game is over. Don't put that on your next teammate or the next game and take that frustration. Like that's not going to help anybody. Right. And now we're getting into a different aspect of approaching your gameplay outside of mechanics, outside of game knowledge or teammates at all. This is about yourself. And that's, I think that was kind of the point I was making is like, you're kind of in control of yourself and your emotions and your attitude towards the game. And I think a lot of people, and that's the stigma that I think diamond and even upwards of champ one and champ two, in my opinion, as well. Uh, and even into champ three, <laughs> actually all of them, diamond three, all the way up to champ three. I think they have like this really weird, just like, uh, like mental attitude, you know, like it's a, not a good attitude. Um, right. And I think that that wears on them, right. They get frustrated with themselves and they get frustrated with their teammates, mostly probably their teammates. But I think it's also really being frustrated with themselves that they're here. They're stuck in this ELO and they're frustrated that they can't get out because of whatever reason i think they know their shortcomings but they don't want it to they don't want to admit it they rather blame mm-hmm. their teammates and i get that like I, you know i've done it's the a, same it's thing it's so much easier <laughs> it's easy yeah and it's it's uh you know it, it kind of pacifies your inner rage if you're able to just say like oh my teammates sucked or you know oh if he just got that save we would have been in this game where where there could have been four or five other opportunities that you yourself could have scored or maybe even made the save or, you know, been more cautious on your approach for whatever, you know, there's a lot of other things that you can control. And I think in that ELO, that diamond ELO or high diamond, especially it's that attitude that I think brings a lot of people down. Cause there are very capable players in diamond uh, that can rank up. I'm not saying they can get to grand champ, but they can get out of diamond at least that they just don't, they just can't get over themselves, I guess. Yeah. So I would almost say that, you said pacify, and the word that actually came to me was validate. Like it validates that. Yeah. It, and I, like, well, well, here's the thing too: is with with the way, especially people who want to be good at a game, with the way esports is going, I think that everyone who plays video games, um, especially people who are good at them or feel like they can be good or should be good, they have they feel like they have an opportunity, right? to like go pro or like maybe even just compete in some tournaments, you know, whether it's local or whatever. And so I think that that burden does weigh on some players. I'm not saying all players, but I think some players hold them or try to hold themselves to a higher standard. And when they don't achieve it quickly or they can't, they get frustrated. And that's when that, I guess, kind of rage comes out. You know what? I actually, I, I've, I've had a very interesting experience with that very recently like this is a huge shift that i just went through in the past couple of weeks because uh since about april i've been taking the game a lot more seriously like i've been in this diamond champ one champ two area for quite some time and i know that there are like mechanical things that i can work on and i've been working on those but i still haven't necessarily seen my rank go up even though my mechanics have been getting better and that was extremely frustrating to me like I was getting really angry there have been many times where I've thought to myself I'm just going to quit playing this game like it just doesn't make sense to me anymore and then I 
I realized that like, it's all just practice. Like, and especially in games, in one's games specifically, I was scared of making mistakes. And so I was playing slow. And so I was getting beat to the ball all the time. And I was just so afraid of making a mistake or doing something wrong that I wasn't allowing myself to advance. I wasn't allowing myself to take risks and make mistakes. And once I started doing that, like I actually lost more games, but I enjoyed myself so much more. I I think I actually talked in the first episode with Turtle about this, so I won't go on and on and on. But I mean, long story short, like we're always learning. You can always get better. And even professionals, even Squishy and all those guys, like they could get better. They're going to get better. Just look at the first RLCS and look at season seven of RLCS. Like look at that expansion and still how much more growth that this game is going to see. Like they are going to get better. There's no reason that we need to think every game is going to be perfect because it's just not. So like taking risks, making mistakes, and focusing on the idea of practicing and getting better as opposed to like, I am only here because my teammates are bad or I'm only here because my teammate didn't score that goal. It's just a, it's a big shift in like looking at how you look at the game and your, your own personal game. Exactly. And, and one more thing to add is for me personally, when I started playing Rocket League in particular. Um, Rocket League was a really weird game because when it came out, we had all the SARP vets, right? All the people who played supersonic acrobatic rocket-powered battle cars. And they were really good at the game. I mean, they were really good at the game compared to the player base because Rocket League was a brand new game mechanics-wise, right? There was no other game that had transferable skills to Rocket League, right? It's not just another shooter or anything like that. So those Mm -hmm. guys that played SARP for five, six years, they had a major advantage. So... Um, for me, I would come up against these guys and I remember playing with uh, some buddies of mine back then. And then even just random teammates, they'd get so frustrated playing against these guys that were just clearly going to stomp us, that were just clearly going to just smoke us. And I remember thinking to myself, I was frustrated in the beginning too, because I I was just learning the game, you know, and I'd have Lachinio like just dunking on me (laughs) left and right. I remember I came across him in a 1v1 a couple times, um, which was pretty funny. But That um, would be nasty early on. That would not it, be pleasant Oh, it was brutal. All. It was brutal. I remember I lost my first game like 11-0 to zero or something. And But the point of all this is that I eventually, very quickly, I mean, seriously, maybe the third or fourth time I came against someone who had played SARP, I actually started to welcome it because I would save the replay, I would go back, and I'd watch what they would do. And then I found out about people are streaming it on Twitch and um, I could go and see their VODs and go and see their stream live and see what these guys were doing. And I started to welcome playing against Cronovis, Sad Juniors, Plutos, Waffles, Lachinio, all these OG NA uh, SARP vets because I was learning so much against these guys. I, I always tell people, and this is back when I used to stream um, back in the day, probably when you were watching, uh, someone asked me, "Hey, like, how did you, how did you get, like, I guess, good at Rocket League at the time? I'm not very good anymore." Um, and I said, "I used to go 
I would, like I said, I would save the replays. If I played good people and I would see what they would do from their perspective, I would also go and I would record people like Cronovi or Lachinio whenever they were streaming. I would record their streams just like on a little record thingy. And I would take it and I would slow it down. I would play it at, you know, half the speed so I could really comprehend what they were doing. And like, this is the effort that I put in to get better. It It's not like it's something that you just wake up one day and you're like, oh, I have the mechanics of Squishy now. Like, that's not how it works. You have to put in effort. You have to put in the time. And you have to welcome, you know, challenges. Because if you play people who are under you all the time, you're actually going to get worse. Every time I play with my buddies who are in Diamond, <laughs> I, I go back and I try and play at a Grand Champ level. Like, I hover around, like, 1,600. I peaked at, like, 1,750 uh nowadays and when i go back and try and play people at that elo i get crushed because it's so much different and so welcoming the challenges welcoming people who are good at the game and just trying to take it as a learning experience uh is a really i think powerful thing that people don't think about or don't want to accept they just rather complain and be upset that they're getting crushed by someone better than them Mm -hmm. yeah like I want. I don't want to say you because I. I also want to like look. I want to be talking to myself when I say this, but when there is a Smurf in a game and you are playing against, like that is such a huge opportunity to see what the potential is that you could be at. Because like when you see somebody play at a higher level, then and when you experience for yourself, all of a sudden you see that as possible. Oh, like when yeah. you're gold and you're playing against other gold people and, you know, somebody might be a little bit better in gold than you are, like then you just understand a little bit better. But if a diamond player is in gold and just tromp, tromps everybody, like take that as an opportunity to be like, I could play like that. That's how a diamond player plays or that's how somebody better plays. Like learn from it. Don't take it as like somebody ruining your day. Like there's there's a lot to be learned and and value that can be taken from that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a there's definitely a line. I mean, I could definitely see the counter argument of being upset that there's a Smurf in the game, but there is there is something to be said that that guy is showing you exactly what you're doing wrong, especially if it's a good Smurf, like a Smurf who's um, you know like a high Grand Champ player or even a professional player. Um, they're showing you exactly what you need to do to whoop everyone in your elo because they're playing against people at your elo you and your buddies or your teammates or whatever like they are doing exactly what you need to do to beat yourself (laughs) and the people that you'll have to do or the people that you'll have to beat to rank up now again i'm not really condoning uh having you know these huge smurfs come through and 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 whoop people but um, yeah don't just go and smurf just to be annoying (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean if you do come across which it's never going to stop I would say take it as a learning experience because they are giving you free advice on how to beat yourself. And I think that's really powerful. And hopefully it isn't through just a bunch of ceiling shots and flip resets. Right. Right. (laughs) Hopefully they're doing some other things correctly as well. Um, But it, it really can be a learning experience. And again, just like you said earlier, it's one game and then it's done. Yep. Save the replay, go back to it later and be like, Oh, they made this turn or they positioned themselves here. And I usually do this. Wow. That could be really good. 
or they'll just show you how to do it in a mechanic as well. I mean, sometimes you just need like a real, I mean, it's tough to like see how pros do it. Cause especially cause yeah. pros do mechanics, certain mechanics so perfectly like flip resets off the ball or ceiling shots so perfectly, but it's also nice to sometimes see if someone's in your game that is really good at a certain mechanic, like a flip reset or something, you can really see like a live action, uh, you know, example of how mm-hmm. this works and maybe how to defend against, against it better. I remember when air dribbles became a thing, people started doing it left and right. And I would play against people who were considered really good at air dribbling, like someone like Gambit. And I remember he, he would do it like every single time, like, holy crap, how do I defend against this? And it took me probably 10 games of playing against this guy air dribbling over my head. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm really learning how to get, how to figure this out. But it takes a couple times of getting your butt kicked and eventually mm-hmm. you'll you'll figure it out. Right. And that's the same with practicing a new mechanic. I can remember, you know, a year ago, I would try and learn how to dribble better or even how to do like a basic forward flick. And after 15, 20 minutes, I would just get frustrated and give up. Like you have to be okay with making mistakes or getting scored on or losing if you want to be able to learn something over time. Yeah. And I think you also have to put in the time as well, right? To learn not only the mechanic, but the actual application of the mechanic in live games. That's why I really, this is my personal opinion is you can use um, custom training, you know, perfectly set up shots with unlimited boost or or maybe a set amount of boost um, to just feel what it's like to set up a perfect, uh, you know, flip reset or whatever, or or ceiling shot. Um, But it's nothing like the real game. And I I often tell people who are trying to learn things um, to practice it in custom training until you feel comfortable, at least some sort of confidence in doing it. Like, you know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you need to go and instantly implement it into your gameplay. You need to try it. Um, in a game live setting because obviously it's completely different i mean just like anything practice is completely different than game day and if you don't ever try it you're never going to get better but certainly don't go straight into ranked and start doing flip resets right like this is something that you should try in training for a long time over a couple days several hours of learning how to do it until you should know how to confidently perform the move and then you can go and do it in ranked and i think some people skip that step where they see it. They try it a couple times in training, maybe just in free play. They don't even have custom training or just set up shots. They just do it in free play and they hit like maybe one and they're like, Oh, that's how I do it. And they'll go and try and do it in rank. They'll miss every single one because the game's faster. You don't have as much boost. There's defenders. There's a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. I completely understand what you're saying about practicing something and then trying to take it into a game. That's actually something that I'm dealing with now a lot because I've been working on my dribbling and flicks in free play. And when you have the entire field to just get the ball on top of your car, doing flicks is super easy. But then when you have half a field and a defender trying to catch up from behind and a defender coming at you, flicks get so much harder and it's it. I'm trying to keep myself from being frustrated when I mess up over and over and over again. Right. And that just comes down to practicing, learning how to not only do it in a controlled setting, whether it's training or custom training, but then also doing it 
uh, in-game as well. But then there's another side to it. Like that also evolves deeper as you get to different elos, whether it's uh, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and then into champ one, two, and three, there are like different things in each one that you'll see more of. Like you won't see big aerials in like bronze and silver i'm assuming i actually honestly have never played in bronze or silver but i'm assuming they don't have aerial there and i'm assuming that gold players somewhat do um and so but like you're not going to see people there aeroling like uh diamond or even platinum or maybe all the way up into champ right like there's different levels to every mechanic that you're gonna see and so it's about learning that that consistency um, at your elo and understanding what people are really capable of like a diamond probably most people aren't capable of flip reset so that's not something that you should really be concerned about defending right um, obviously when you get higher up into elo into a grand champ elo there are some really interesting things this is something that i always talk about we can dive into a little bit later but um there's there are massive jumps in skill in grand champ alone and it builds on top of the mechanics that you already see, you already know and love, and that you already probably can do once you're at Grand Champ, but it's taken to a whole new level of like steroid. Like people can pull off air dribbles, people can pull off flip resets every single time they're on the ball. So it's about understanding where you're at on the ladder and then playing appropriately, or at least gauging your options properly. To what you know people can and can't do at a certain elo if that makes sense mm -hmm. and i think i can take that to the extreme example in terms of like wh where i know that i'm at and like looking at somebody that is at the tippy top of the pyramid like professional players always hit the ball so hard no matter what angle they're coming from, they always know how to hit the ball with speed and with height, like always hitting it into the upper 90 of the goal if it's available to them or if they need to. Right. Like some of the shots that I see Squishy hit in his videos and the power that he puts on them every single time is just bonkers. And yep. like I'm starting to one of the evolutions that I've had in my game recently is focusing on not just hitting the ball because like hitting the ball is great, but hitting the ball in such a way that it, it stays like you're not just hitting it down into the ground. Like you're hitting it with height, you're hitting it down the field or you're hitting it towards the top of the goal is just so much more effective. So changing the focus from hitting the ball to hitting the ball in a specific way with power, like, I feel like that is a big difference in between where I'm at, even in diamond, because people really like you can hit the ball more consistently, but it's not necessarily an effective hit every single time where I, and you would be able to answer this because you are grand champ, like grand champs hit the ball harder, more consistently. Yeah. And I honestly, well, okay. So yes, they do. I mean, they should. Um, <laughs> Grand Champ's also a pretty messy area. I wouldn't give Grand Champ's too much credit. I, I think what you really mean, though, is that uh, players, like just take, the, again, the top of the pyramid, pro players, 
they hit the ball with intention every single time. There is a rhyme or reason for the way the power, sure. the way they approach it. Um, maybe they threw it an air roll. Maybe they hit a certain side of it. Maybe they use a certain part of the car. There's always a reason why they do what they do. There's never a time where they're just tossing the ball down the field. I mean, of course it happens, you know, maybe you're having too much pressure and you have no boost or something like that. And you just need to just relieve pressure for two seconds. Yeah. That happens. But I would, and that's I still would, intentional. Sure. Sure. But there's, there is very few times where a pro just takes the ball and doesn't have a plan to move down the field, whether it's, I'm going to take this into an air dribble. I'm going to pass to my teammate. I'm going to dribble this on the ground. I'm going to take this up the wall. These are all the options that these pros have to make these, these choices in a split second. They have to make that choice in a split second about which one they feel like or think is the most optimal way to move down the ball and that, or move the ball down the field. And that is really where the beauty of the game comes out. When you master your mechanics, when you have, um, you know, for lack of a better term, like great game sense or perfect game sense um, and have all that game knowledge, then it comes down to human decision, right? What's the most optimal way to either move the ball down the field and score, or what's the most optimal way to defend against this play, you know, that's developing. And that's what you start to see at higher ELO. I'm not really sure where that starts. I would probably say more closer to the really, really high grand champ, or sorry, I would say more like mid grand champ, like 1700, 1750, maybe even 1800. I think some would say 1800 um, because the game definitely changes at that ELO, which I know most people aren't at. I'm not even all the way up there, um, but the game changes so much when you can, when you have mastery over yourself and the ball, because it is two things, right? And that's actually an interesting thing to bring up is that there it's, there's always two variables like, default variables when a play is developing there's always a player in the car and they're always separate right meaning that every time you're on the ball um you know if the ball goes one way the player isn't always going to go one way that's how you get away with mind games right um if you're sitting behind the ball maybe you fan out to the left as they're approaching um from their left of the ball if that makes sense the opposite the adjacent corner you mm -hmm. can mind game people because you're hiding behind the ball and sometimes they expect you to cut it, uh, but you didn't. And so that's how you can get it. That's, that's how mind games work. And so uh, the point being though, is that you can um, really, when you start to understand the game on the ball and the player and where the ball can go and what the player can do with the ball and how they are two separate variables. Um, that's really where the game gets really interesting and a lot more fun. And of course that, that happens at higher ELO. But I think there is a point to be made in lower ELO where if you can understand that at a base level, I think that you'll gain a lot more knowledge on what people are capable of doing when they have possession or when we, maybe even when they don't have possession. And I think that's something that's really um, interesting to think about. Yeah. And I think even, even in like certainly in diamond, but platinum or gold, like one thing, again, going back to those Rizzo videos that he emphasized so much is I'm going to do whatever I can to put myself in a place where I think the ball is going to be next. So like he is he is in the practice of like analyzing the game. Like, yeah, you have to be able to hit the ball consistently and, uh, you know, not whiff or be able to hit the ball off the wall like those 
even those basic mechanic things. But if you just put yourself in the right place or be in the practice of trying to put yourself in the right place, like you are infinitely better than probably somebody that has the same mechanic ability as you, but is not uh, positioning appropriately. So I agree. Um, and I think some people wouldn't. I've heard some people say that if you have amazing mechanics, um, that's more important than having the game knowledge, the rotation, the, the being in the right spot at the right time. I think that th there is an argument to be made for both. Um, but that, I, that to me is, I, I feel like being at the right place at the right time is a very powerful thing, no matter what little you're at. Um, and being able to gauge options properly and going with the, the one that you feel like is is the one that you think this player is going to have to pull off to make a scoring opportunity occur. Yes. And um, that's something that you learn. I mean, each ELO has different levels of that. And that's what I was trying to explain before is that, you know, bronze, silver, gold, diamond, they all have different opportunities that could be generated by skill level of players. Right. And that goes true. That's true with champ and grand champ as well. And I, so yeah. when you get to that point and you can understand at each level, what people are capable of, then it opens up and you say, okay, if he's doing this, then I know that his options are really this and that, because that's the only thing I know this type of player can pull off. And, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, mechanics are extremely important. I feel like if I did my own road to diamond two video series right now on a brand new account, I could dominate some bronze players just based on my mechanical abilities like what I'm capable of doing. But once I get back to diamond two or diamond three or even champ, like my mechanics will only take me so far. Right. Like I'm sure somebody with a grand champion level mechanic can get back to grand champ pretty easily. <laughs> so I'll tell you a funny story then. Um, I recently made a new account uh, to play with some friends and uh they're like i said same friends diamond three um they peak at like champ two on good on good weeks um they they hover in there and they go up and down they, i don't think any of them have been tramp three but uh i made a new account to play with these guys because um I, I just wanted to i didn't want them to have to play against grand champ players they get frustrated and then they throw their controllers so um i made this new account and we were playing doubles with the buddy it took me uh, we went. Uh, we won 22 games in a row, and that was enough to get me to Grand Champ. We didn't lose a single doubles game on this account. Had a 100% win rate, and <laughs> I was. We were able to do that because I knew that the people at his level, at that Diamond Three Champ One level, I knew exactly because I I do get to play at the beginning of seasons. I am able to play people at Champ One. And I've sure. played against champ one players quite a bit um, for, you know, we're at what, like season 11 or something like that now. So it's been a couple seasons. I get to see these guys at the beginning of the season. Um, and I knew that if I just slammed my face into the ball as much as possible, I knew that my speed, my recovery and the minor mechanics that I have, I was able to beat these players to the ball. I was literally just faster than them. Not in the sense of, oh, he's got great rotation. I was just quicker on the field. I could, you know, I was wave dashing off the walls into um, full speed. I was using boost efficiently. 
Um, I knew I could get to a ball. I, I would kind of call out defenders and I would jump pre-jump for things because I knew I could hit the shot and they would, didn't give me that respect of being able to hit that shot. And I knew that he wasn't going to give me that respect. And so like that knowledge, it just goes to show, and I wish I had the replays of it. It just goes to show that even someone like me who, I, I, you know, I'm not like, I, I mean, I'm grand champ, but I'm not, you know, amazing at the game. I can take advantage of the knowledge of knowing that these players don't know certain things or can't pull off certain things and they won't respect me for the things that I can do because, well, one, they don't know. And two, even after I do it two or three times, they still don't think I can do it, you know? And so I was able to take advantage of that game knowledge at that specific ELO and expose them for that. Mm -hmm. Well, and to take that a step further, they might not even be able to do the things that they need to do to defend those things that you can do. Right. Like all they, all they can do is watch you execute that and just say, all right, well, maybe the next game I won't have to play a grand champ. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the thing too, though, is like, I'm not really a flashy player. Like I don't hit a lot of double taps. I don't hit any ceiling shots. I don't get flip resets off the ball. I don't do any of that cool stuff. It's just, consistent pressure like i said at the beginning of this i play like a psychopath and it works it really does especially against people who are lower or maybe aren't used to that speed of game uh gameplay they can't keep up and they can't comprehend they can't make the decisions fast enough to stop me because i know exactly what i want to do i want to slam my face into the ball as much as possible and i'm willing to accept any outcome <laughs> of yeah. what will come and I will react accordingly and quicker than you, right? And so that's what I've, that's in the beginning of this show, that's what I was saying about how my play style has really developed that way. And I'm not proud of it, by the way. I'm not sitting here <laughs> trying to brag. I'm just saying that's how I play the game because, you know, I don't get to play it as much anymore and I just like to have some fun. And that's me yeah. having fun. But it works. It really does. And there's there's something to be said, like, if you are satisfied with the level that you're at, and that level is just nonstop going for the ball and you can hit the ball on a consistent basis. Like if it works for you and you're satisfied, that's fine. Like there, there is something to be said about just being able to be quick to the ball from different angles, multiple angles from anywhere on the field. Like that's one thing that I've, been working on myself is just being able to read the ball a little bit faster and be able to get to the ball a little bit faster because possession is nine tenths of this game. It's nine tenths of the law. If you are in possession of the ball more than the other team, the likelihood of you winning is extremely high. Can't score if you don't have the ball. 100%. Unless, <laughs> That's a hard-hitting analysis right there. Yeah. Unless you're playing diamond game with Rizzo's and Rizzo. In their own going. In their own going. <laughs> yeah. There is always that. So I had a couple of things that I was curious about. Uh, and if, you, if you've listened to the podcast this far, this is where the, the extra tidbits come in. You're, you're, you're a grand champ player. You say that you have some friends that are at the diamond level. If they wanted to get into the nitty gritty, if your friends ask you, okay, I want to get out of diamond consistently and like never go back, what would be the top three things that you would tell those friends to do or change or get better at 
so that they could be consistently champ two, champ three, and start moving into grand champ? Uh, well, first of all, the biggest one that I would say is uh, something that we kind of talked about earlier about controlling yourself um, is to stop panicking on defense. Um, and I know that sounds really, really, really basic and really simple. And people are going to be like, Crelly, that's awful advice. That tells me nothing. But I think that a lot of times people don't realize that you're not going to have the ball the entire game. Possession will be given up if it's an equal game, which it hopefully is. Um, and you have to be willing to accept and endure pressure from another team. And you have to deal with it properly. Um, one of the biggest things that I see that my friends do poorly is uh, they don't manage their boost very well inside of their own box. And they don't, and on top of that kind of building on that is they don't control the aerial space um, in the box. So if you were to build, you know, a wall around that, you know, what would be the 18 yard box or whatever, they don't control that space above the net or above the ground in the box because they're panicking whether they use all their boost to get back or they use their boost on an aerial before they're not picking up small pads. They're not controlling their back boost, whatever it may be. Um, and they're panicking. They're just flailing at the ball and they get frustrated. It's frustrating to do that. It's frustrating to play the game, to play basically defense simulator with no boost. So my, 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 I guess my first piece of advice would be to stop panicking um and and control your boost keep a good boost level only use boost when you know that you're at least going to make contact with the ball and challenge properly meaning that you're going to stop an oncoming shot you're going to stop or cut off a pass um or you're going to stuff someone right go for a 50 50 or whatever and maybe the ball squirts out to a corner or whatever um which uh side note on that is playing the ball to the corner your own corner is not a crime uh this is something that actually the great uh, Quinn Lobdell, who is um, a very great Rocket League mind, in my opinion, um, he uh, always used to tell me, I never thought about this game, the game the way he did. Um, on defense, the safest spot for you to put the ball is your corner, because especially at lower ELO, it's a very tough shot to hit. It's a very tough shot to make from the corner. In fact, it's almost impossible if it's rolling up the corner. There is no angle for you to score that. Um, and the minor or the super small angle that, that there is, it's not going to be a, a very good shot. Um, so if you are enduring that pressure to throw into the corner, so that's number one is just stop panicking. Um, corner is your best friend. Um, defending from the corner is something that I feel like uh, is good to learn. And it's a great spot to prevent constant shots on target so that you can save boost to get out. Um, number two would be, uh, and this would be a big one, especially for my friends. And again, I'm speaking from really just my buddies. So I'm not saying that this advice is maybe the best advice, but it's just what I see, um, is, uh, I would, it's a mechanical thing, but it's also like, know what you can do thing. And that's when you go for aerials, uh, to make sure that there is some sort of an idea when you go for them, a lot of times what I see is, <laughs> and I know it's, again, it sounds really stupid, but I see a lot, and this, it's not just to my buddies, actually, now that I think about it more, I see a lot of players at like a diamond elo, they, they, they see a ball in the air and they feel like they have to go for it, or they feel yeah. like they have to get a touch. It has to be a shot. Um, 
it has to be moving forward down the field. And that's not necessarily the case. And a lot of times what ends up happening is the touch is very poor. It's very weak. Maybe you just drop it to the midfield and it's a perfect pass to the defender waiting for you to mess up. Um, or it's a, uh, it's a shot, but it's a super easy one to save. And you basically just give up possession because it's a weak shot. It's really nothing. It's basically a pass back. Um, and I do this a lot too. This is something that I reflect on myself is I'm so headstrong so tunnel visioned. I think that's the word. It's tunnel visioned to push the ball down the field at the net. It has to go at the net. Um, and that's not the case, you know, whether it's a pass downfield, maybe you have a teammate uh, or again, I said this at the beginning of the show too, is throwing it into the corner. Isn't a, a horrible idea. So long as there's a plan behind it, if you don't use all your boost on your touch, you can land and chase after your touch to the corner. Or if it's a desperation touch, you can throw it to the corner and you could buy time for your teammates to get boost, get back, um, and and that works just fine. But not every touch has to be at the target, or a shot, or you know off the backboard. Which what you'll find now at higher elo is the backboard really isn't a great place to put the ball anymore. The backboard is completely covered. In fact, it's a misplay on the uh, the defense fault if they let a ball come off the backboard in any capacity other than a second touch from someone already coming off the backboard. That's really about, about it. Um, so I wouldn't really encourage people to just toss it off the backboard. Now, of course, everything's contextual. There's always dependencies in Rocket League. That's kind of the beauty of the game. If you know your, your opponents are boost starved, then, then you, you know, putting off the backboard is actually a great place to put it. Um, but even then, most of the time it's covered. Uh, so it's just having, hitting the ball with intention. I mean, we said this before, have a plan, whether it's a pass uh, whether it's just putting the ball in an awkward spot, which is not something that I would really suggest doing. Even, you know, I said, put it to the corner. I wouldn't really suggest doing that every single time. What ends up happening is just giving up possession a lot of time. Um, but it does work if you need to buy time. So having intentions with your aerials. And then the mechanical side of it is really just focus on your aerials. Get better at your aerials. It's such an easy thing to get good at because it's so fundamental to the game. And they're easy to set up in custom training. And... Quite honestly, I think they're very easy to learn um, after you figure out your double jump, after you figure out how to control your car in the air. You don't need to flip upside down. You don't need to go for any flip resets. You don't need a freestyle. You don't need to do anything. Get up, get the ball on top of your car, or sorry, get hit the ball with the front of your car properly um, and, and make something happen. Do something with the ball. Um, so that would be number two. Uh, I guess my a, th- a third thing for... Um, Again, this is very specific to my buddies um, for Diamond players uh, in particular, I guess, is uh, I would definitely work on control uh, on the ground. And this is something that I actually told uh, Jorby, who's a caster uh, for RLCS. He was frustrated. um, And I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story. But it's a good story because he's actually doing really well now. He was frustrated with his control. He was frustrated with his rank. He wanted to get it up, uh, which by the way, he's champ three now. Um, he was diamond and he's champ three um, now. And I, I, I told him I was going to help him coach. I didn't help too much, but I did say that from what I saw when he, he was playing, the biggest thing that he could work on was having that first touch to bring the ball into your possession um, and controlling your car um, well, actually, I should say controlling the ball on top of your car, but more importantly, c- 
controlling your car. Um, a lot of times people will focus on what they can and can't do with a ball. And I think that really what they can and can't do with the car is actually much more important because that really gives you the opportunity to do something with the ball if you could put yourself in the proper position with your car. And so this is something I told Jorby in a much more short version. Um, but I was like, hey, just play 1v1s and do the, uh, there is like some mod for uh, obstacle courses, you know, that you could do where you mm-hmm. could just dribble through things and uh, you had to flick the ball into some net that would push you on to level two. Uh, so I said, car control really is it, um, especially on the ground. And I like to think that it helped him a lot. Um, he didn't really play ones before. And I think now he uses it to really warm up um, and learn how to control the ball in the car or <laughs> control the car on the ground and how to go into challenges is also really, really important. Um, and that's something you learn with car control, especially again on the ground. Um, and that's something that I see with my buddies is sometimes I can see them wiping out in the corners. And it's something I still do too, by the way, but they'll, <laughs> they'll go for balls in the corner and they'll hit the ball, but then they'll spin out of control and they'll flip up on their side and they'll slide up the wall and uh, they lose complete control. And that second, so very valuable seconds that you're losing of not being on the ground, getting back, back on rotation, whatever it may be, denying boost or keeping the pressure on. Another great example is, and again, I still do this too, um, going up for aerials. But as you get there, you either run out of boost or you just did it improperly. And so you kind of just like bounce off the ball instead of hitting the ball. And that really kills momentum, not only for your team, but also for yourself, because now you're just floating down watching the other team have a 3v2 if you're playing 3v3 or whatever, numbers up downfield. And not only did you lose the time falling from the sky, <laughs> basically, but then you lose the time getting back too because you used all your boosts. You have no way to get back quickly and uh, you're left with pads or if you can get a corner or a mid boost, then great. But you're forced to go and 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 you're in a, a tough situation. So I think uh, I think those would be the three things that I would say. I think it's important to have those in some capacity. Uh, and so what did I say? I said, don't panic on defense. Uh, hit the ball with intention on your aerials. Um, and then uh, the last one there was car control, If to summarize. <laughs> yeah. Jorby's going to be on a future episode. So all of those things will be great to talk about. Thanks and for that, Thanks he for would that be... little preview there. Absolutely. And I, I would, I look forward to hearing that he would be great to talk to because he's really been grinding and he's been in diamond. He's been in, uh, I think he even went down to platinum at one point and then went all the way back up to champ too. So he's a great example of someone who's been working very, very hard to get better at the game. And it's a slow process. It's not, it doesn't, some people, it happens overnight. Like for me, when the game came out, I got good really fast. That was just, I don't know. I just did the game clicked for me. Um, and it, it worked out, but for people like Jorby, sometimes it doesn't. There's a lot of people like Jorby. My friends are like him. They have to put a lot of hours and I'm really happy at least at this point while we're talking here, uh, he's improved to champ three, which is fantastic. And, and he's super proud of himself and he should be. And I think it just, so to that, I would say it's a, it's a big mindset thing too. Like rocket league is a competitive game that you have to be able to think a certain way before you can get to a certain level. And if you are stuck in a platinum or diamond 
mindset, like you're not going to get any better than that. Like I was talking about earlier, my mechanics were getting better, but I wasn't moving anywhere rank wise. And what it came down to was like, I'm in the wrong place on the field at the wrong time. And so I'm getting scored on when I shouldn't get scored on. Like I'm giving up easy goals and I'm losing games that I shouldn't be losing. And, you know, when you change how you look at the game or how you think about the game, sometimes your mechanics will catch up to that and you can make those big leaps very quickly. So I I do look forward to talking to Jorby about that because I think uh, his insights will be very valuable in terms of how to make those jumps. Because I think just it's sometimes it's as easy as flipping a switch and you just look at the game completely different and that can take you, you know, to the next two or three stages even. And I think that's where um, a lot of these uh, Rocket League coaches that are coming out are finding uh, great success is giving those people who need help a new perspective on their gameplay. Yeah. Because like you said, people get stuck in, in diamond, platinum, and in, in gold mindsets, right? They This is mm-hmm. what they know. This is what they play against every single day. This is where they're going to settle. And I think it takes someone to really pull that out and say, hey, you know, you're better than this and here here's what you can do to achieve and giving someone a checklist or even just a single thing right hey you need to control your car better uh, here's how here and then here's how to do that right it's what you need to do and then here's how to do it and i think that's where a lot of the good i, I you know i've I, i've actually i i am going to uh sign up and get coaching from some of these guys i actually am just interested to see how they coach yeah. um so I, I, I'm going to do that soon. And I guarantee that all of them, all the good ones, because uh, I'm sure there's some crappy ones out there, but all the good ones, like I would, I would, I would venture to say that Verge is probably a very good coach um, or a good one at least. And um, I bet you that a lot of these guys that come in, all they need is just that kick in the butt with a new perspective on this is what grand champ players play like. This is what you need to do to be at their level, or this is how to get to diamond. And here's what you need to do to work there. I guarantee that little tiny, just kick in the butt of here's what you need to do. That gets people so far. Yeah. And first off, I would love to say, or extend the invite when that coaching occurs, I would love to have you back to have uh, you know, you'd share your experience and how that might have changed how you're looking at the game. So I'll just throw that out there. Absolutely. Um, but I think, and I wrote this down a while ago, but I think it's it's very important is, you know, we were talking about mindset and like not taking a loss into the next game, things of that nature, blaming things on teammates. The The word that I wrote down was responsibility. Like as soon as you start taking responsibility for your wins and losses and owning your mistakes and the things that you're doing wrong, you're opening up a door for yourself to make an advance into the next levels. Like as soon as I really hunker down and ask myself like, Tom, what are you doing? What is keeping you? from being able to go to the next level that's when i really started looking at the game in a different way 
because I knew it was going to take looking at the game differently to get better. So like if you're not happy with where you are, take a look in the mirror, like Corelli, like you said earlier, watch some replays and figure out, okay, I really could have done this differently or I could have been in this spot and that would have scored a goal. Or if I was looking at my teammate here, I could have passed and he would have been wide open. Just looking at those little things that you're doing wrong will open up brand new doors for you to take your game to a different place. So there's the coach for um, League of Legends and his name is uh, LS. And he's kind of, he's got a reputation. He does, he does coaching for like his subs in Twitch chat, right? They'll, they can pay a certain sub, like sub tier and uh, he'll, they'll coach them or maybe they just, he charges them regardless. Um, He does coaching and (laughs) I actually really enjoy his coaching style because a lot of times it's actually the inverse of what you're talking about. Some of these guys will come on and they're uh, platinum in in league of legends and we you know just for the sake of it we'll say rocket league and what he does is he really breaks them down and sometimes he's pretty harsh so some people kind of consider him controversial so uh, i'll tread lightly here but uh Hmm. he really pounds into them about how they aren't good at the game and why they shouldn't feel like they are entitled to winning every game and how they shouldn't blame their their uh, teammates every single game because a lot of these people especially in this again this mid elo where you're not bad but you're not good is uh some i guess the best word would be ego um where they they feel like they're better than everyone else in the game yet they stay the same rank for thousands and thousands of game every single season <laughs> and they're not right i mean you're just not if you're not ranking up then you're not better than the people you're playing and a lot of these people get stuck in this mindset where they feel Thank like you. they are yes. and they and they and they but they never break out and so they're their own the, the beauty of ranked systems is there's only one constant in every single one of your games and it's you and it's something that that coach ls he kind of breaks people down and says hey man you're kind of being an idiot right now by saying that your teammate should have done this, your teammate should have done that. You should have made the difference. You're making mistakes, and and maybe your teammates are making mistakes as well. But you're not perfect, and nobody's perfect, especially at your elo. Nobody's perfect. People are going to make mistakes. You have to roll with the punches because, by the way, the other team isn't perfect either. And I think that that was some really good coaching advice that this guy gives to a lot of other people with this ego of, "Hey, I'm great at the game," and that's really not the case a lot of times. Yes. So I was on vacation last week, um, ran into the, this really nice couple, uh, golfing. And one of the guys said after he hit a bad shot or somebody hit a bad shot and we were just kind of chuckling about it. He said, one of his buddies was at this golf outing and, uh, there was some pro golfer there, I think, and he was partnered up with him or it was some really, really good golfer and his buddy hit a bad shot and he, you know, was throwing the classic fit that you would think of like a rocket league player throwing their controller. You know, he was cursing and screaming and throwing clubs and whatever. And this pro golfer just looks at him and says, you're not good enough at this game to be mad 
about hitting yes. bad shots. Exactly. That is exactly like, it right there is you are not good at the game or not good enough at the game to be frustrated about that as that is that is a great story and it's so true it's so true. yeah whether it's you or your teammates like if you're in gold you're also missing aerials guaranteed you're not hitting every aerial so if your teammate is missing an aerial like cool man you just got to be ready for them to miss an aerial so that you can play defense even in grand champ like grand champ my friend that is a grand champ my friend that is champ three, like they miss aerials and yeah, I'm going to razz them because they carry me and I expect them to hit all their shots so that I can miss shots. But like it happens and I still have a smile on my face. They're still my friends and we're still going to keep playing as hard as we can. Like that's just the way that it goes. People miss shots. We're not professionals. Let's just keep going. Like, there's the no reason to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the pros miss shots. I mean, it's way less, but it happens. And it, it those mistakes, happens. yeah, those mistakes, you have to, you have to roll with the punches. You really, really do. And so, uh, and, and you have to get over it too, right? That's the other thing. You can't be frustrated. Like that guy throwing his putter or whatever, you know, that, again, we, we talked about this, that type of mental space doesn't promote growth. Right, that just no. is kind of a a, a, a poo poo party, right? You're just kind of sitting there pouting. Um, so and it's not yeah. it's going to make the next ten shots that you take even worse, right? Because you're so hung up, you're so yep. hung up on that one shot. You just got to move on. I mean, and, and golf's a great example too because you're going to take so many shots, so many chips, so many drives, so many putts, a lot that you mm-hmm. can't let one. Especially professional golfers, if they got angry about every bad shot. They probably have professional golfers. I mean, I don't watch golf too much, but I bet you they have, because they play the course, what, three or four times? Four times if they make it all the way through. Right. So they play the course four times. That's 18 holes. So uh, they're probably going to have, I don't know, every single time they go around the course, probably five to six bad shots i would say i don't know i'm not i'm not a golf fanatic I mean, that's, but that's a that's a i mean you're like if you're shooting par you're taking 280 to 300 swings in a tournament right like so even if five percent of those are bad that's still <laughs> what 10 to 15 15 yeah like that's that's a good number of shots that are bad that you're going to have to figure out how to yeah. deal with. That's actually a lot of shots. Yeah. <laughs> 15 bad shots in a round, that could put you out of the money. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're exactly right. And you know, if you have one bad drive that leaves you in the trees, not only, you know, was that a bad shot, but then you have to figure out how to save yourself from that bad shot. Right. Like you can't be thinking about the bad one. The only thing that you have is where you're at and how you're going to deal with it. There's no time to think about the past anymore. Exactly. And, and again, it just goes back to that mental space of being, you ha- it's not, you know, I'm not asking people to be like, you know, Oh, you know, my teammate missed an open net, but yeah, we're not uh, Buddha here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying be all happy, go lucky every single time and be super positive. I'm not saying that it's just, get over it, get over yourself and get over it and move on. I mean, Rocket League yeah. 
I mean, I have, and I've slowed down my playing quite a bit. I still have 15,000 games in Rocket League, and there's a people with a lot, lot, lot more. And like I said, the game's so quick. You're going to have so many games. You can have good games, bad games, okay games. You just got to keep going. How many hours are you at? I have just under 3,000 on Steam. And that's on one account, but you have two now. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have like less than 10 or something. So. Oh. <laughs> okay. Another one. So it's not. Nothing significant. No. Well, uh, I think, I mean, I'm big into the mindset stuff, so I don't want to rant on that forever, but I would love to. So I'm not going to keep going on that. But one thing that you mentioned earlier, and this is just kind of like a technique, uh, you know, playing the game, you're talking about hitting the ball into the corner, even on offense. Like you said, way back at the beginning, and then you came back to it a little bit. I remember, I think it was the season that, season six, when Cloud9 won RLCS. I remember Achieves at the end of one of their series talking about how they just keep on hitting the ball into the corner over and over and over and they would just blast the ball into the corner and wait until they just like wore down the other team. And he said it was super boring Rocket League, but it worked for them. Yep. Like it was boring and it works. Yes. So like, yeah, you say, I remember you even saying it's bad advice, but it worked for the world champion. So there's <laughs> there's something to be said about that. Well, yes. So uh, I want to I want to clarify a couple things. I think that that technique uh, definitely works uh, the best at lower elo again because you're you're banking on people making mistakes and sure. you're banking on people and at the pro level you're banking on people thinking they have an opportunity to break out so they use some boost um and and they don't right you, you close that option down um and so that that entire you know play style is based around like you said wearing down your opponents till either they make a mistake or they physically cannot make a save because they have no boost or whatever they're out of mm-hmm. position um now uh what season did you say achieve said that in Oh, I was th- I I was guessing. Oh, okay. I said uh, I thought it, I thought it, I know it was a recent one. I feel like it was when Cloud9 won the world championship in season right. 6. So at the pro level, like teams have gotten much much better at corner play and much better at defending basically all angles on their entire back wall including their corners, meaning any ball on the blue side, for example, there's 99% of the time there's going to be a player on that blue team there to receive it. So there's not a lot of balls bouncing off walls to the ground. A lot of times it's met by a player well beforehand, mostly um, using that wall to get a touch downfield. They get kind of that power hit off the, basically a drop kick from the wall. So uh, it's gotten better. The point is, is that in pro play in, in particular, that, that play style, it's kind of like when, uh, the backboard meta was here, right? And mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Northern Gaming or Weedem Girls or whatever they were. Like they were perfect at it, right? They would just throw it off the backboard and they would always be there because nobody knew how to defend it. Well, it's kind of turning into the same thing where if you throw the ball into the corner enough times, people are going to learn how to start to defend it. Um, sure. And they're going to they're gonna manage themselves a lot better, whether they're in the right position or they have the boost uh, resource to do it, to, to get out. 
Um, and so the point being is that I think players have really matured and gotten a lot better at, at like the, the game has matured to get a lot better at defending that. So yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't sign up for the next uh, rival series play-ins <laughs> and employ that tactic, but it's, and it's not, you know, I don't say this is like, if, if someone said, Hey, Corelli, how do I get better? This is not something I would say, right. I'm not saying it was, you know, I tweeted Hit the ball that out. in the corner. Yeah, I tweeted that out. It's kind of tongue in cheek, but it is true to a degree, and it's just to 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 show that you can take advantage of people's mistakes. And that was the point. And I think that uh, and she's a very smart guy. He's a very analytical mind. Um, I think his point as well is that these players were throwing the ball into the corner to wear down the other team because they knew they were low on boost or it forced them to use boost. And then they were able to slowly whittle away at their resource, slowly whittle away at their positioning. They were able to capitalize and then score from there. So it can work. Definitely not something I would, uh, I would say to do in tournaments though. <laughs> you don't, you don't build a strategy around it. No, that's fair. And, and that makes sense. You know, I, I remember I enjoy going back to like some of the very, early rocket league tournaments or like some of Kronovi's earliest videos of rocket league when he's playing in tournaments with uh gibbs and sad jr and just watching them like hit the ball or go up for an aerial or something like that and like just not even an aerial just jumping into the air and then hitting the ball and sad like Kronovi doing that and sad junior being like, Oh man, that was a great aerial. Just like, <laughs> and you see that literally in platinum now. Yep. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how the game has evolved in the past four years. And I'm, I'm thrilled to see like how it continues to do so. Oh, and just side note on that. I am so happy that the game is the way it is now. Like so happy because I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to say this and I'm not, I don't regret it. Seasons two, seasons three, seasons four were the most boring rocket league of my life. (laughs) I remember the season I was at the season four championship in uh, Washington. And I think I fell asleep during the grand finals. I'm pretty sure I did. I was so bored watching it because it was so nobody wanted to make a mistake. The ball was just going back and forth. Nobody was scoring back and forth. Nobody was shooting back and forth. Six minute overtime. Like it was boring. I was so bored watching. And of course, of course there were hype moments. There was exciting plays, but it really took season five. And then season six is where I really feel like uh, cloud nine really showed everyone this, this new kind of, I wouldn't say new, but they really perfected this meta of what people were saying at the time was ball chasing. But I think it really showed the the a great marriage of a cohesive unit, uh, a cohesive mind moving down the field with high mechanics and trusting the solo plays that Gimmick was able to pull off. Obviously, Torment played extremely well as well uh, uh, during that. So they've all played really well. But I think that a lot of teams started to kind of shift towards that because that play style is what worked against a dynasty that was Dignitas. And also it was really freaking fun to watch. I have, yeah. I, I remember walking away from, cause again, I was at that world championship. I walked away from that one and I was like, just based off of gameplay, that was the best world championship in my mind. Like, yeah, seasons five grand final was better, but overall across the whole tournament, I felt like season six 
really was a turning point and was super exciting. I thought it was really exciting. I, I enjoyed it so, so much. And even season seven, same thing. Season seven was super exciting to watch just across the board. The gameplay was just so good, so fast, so fluid. And man, I am just so happy that seasons two, three, and four are in the past. <laughs> That's so interesting. Huh. And and again, like I feel like I'm paying attention to the game so much more that I look at the game differently. And I mean, in seasons two, three, and four, I was like gold, platinum, low diamond, or just plat like nowhere near the understanding of the game that I have now. And maybe that's why I look at it so differently, but that's really interesting to hear. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a low elo, you know, if you're sitting like bronze, silver, gold, and you're watching pro players, it's always going to be exciting. I mean, I, I, I should take back what I said. I, I think that I'm definitely biased because I can play at a higher level. And, you know, the things that I see pro players do happen in my ranked games every single day. But if I'm a low elo player, right, or just lower than grand champ, that's the kind of stuff I don't get to see very often. So, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit more numb to it. And I understand what you, I understand what you're saying, though, because I've experienced it myself, like not wanting to make mistakes. And you don't hear it as often now about that, quote unquote, like ping pong of just yeah. the ball getting hit back and forth and waiting for somebody to make a mistake or a ball ends up in the perfect place where somebody can get that second touch and score a goal. Like it is very different. And I feel like I understand the fluidity more and you can see it more now in the game than like what you're describing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly, I certainly understand it. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I hope I'm not the only one who who feels that way, especially in regards to pro play. I I know for a fact that I I know a few people have told me at season four that they were bored, and so so um, I think the gameplay evolving to what it is now is great for everyone. Sure. Um, and I certainly enjoyed a lot more, and I also um, think that there's a lot more room for more exciting things to happen um, in regards to mechanics, in regards to the way the game's played. I still don't think that teams, and particularly at the RLCS level, have like perfect um, like team play. Like I feel like there's a lot more room for it still. Not that not saying that they don't do it or that they're bad at it. They like a lot of teams are really good at it. There are teams that are known for their passing, but um, I feel like that's something that still. Uh, could be kind of pushed farther yeah. um, in, in a way that we haven't seen yet. And I don't know what that is. You know, it's not up for me. It's that's something the players are going to have to do. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just sit and talk about it, but <laughs> I am, I'm extremely intrigued to see what kind of things could evolve from people uh, truly like committing to the game and committing to a team and evolving like, together because we have so many and this is getting into a whole other thing um but getting in like not moving around roster so much and saying you want to be better at the game i want to be better at the game let's figure out how we continue moving forward and evolving as a team as opposed to individual players that happen to be good that are on this team together right now trying to win this thing but i i think 
you're right that there's still a lot of potential out there, not only individually, but as units. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because we've seen it a couple times, right, where teams have come together and they stayed together even after success, obviously, but after failure as well. And there's been a couple good stories. There's been a couple bad stories. Um, I think one of the best stories is Splice from the North American side who stuck together for a long time. They really wanted to build up that team cohesion and it really did come through for them. They made it all the way to RLCS and everyone was super happy, uh, including myself. Um, but then I was when they got to, that they were there. Oh, absolutely. Um, but then when they got there, like things, things fell apart. It didn't look good for them. Um, and I think that I think it was for them fair enough to call it quits after that. Uh, I think that there is a limit to every team, and I think that for Splice they kind of found that when they, and I know I'm talking specifically about them, but I think that just in general, there's a limit to every single team. That's why we have uh, roster changes, even after teams have success. I mean, Dignitas, even after losing season six, I mean, they could have gone on to stay together and probably won another world championship. I mean, they were still that good, right? But they didn't, they split up. They felt like they, that some of the players felt like they could do better with someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously for KDOP that paid off, but um, I think it's important that, you know, obviously the players, they want to win, <laughs> obviously, and sure. they will stop at nothing, no matter what, to find the right player, the right team and the right feel, you know, play style, I guess, of a team to win. Like Cloud9 is a very distinct play style. Not a lot of teams have what Cloud9 had. Dignitas, the old Dignitas, had exactly or had the same thing, a very distinct play style that not a lot of teams could pull off. Um, a lot of the big teams kind of have that. G2 is another one that's really popular. Even all the OCE teams have a very distinct play style that um, teams either do or don't want to replicate and don't uh, or haven't. So uh, it's it's interesting to see what people come up with. And I think I think what you said, though, is teams staying together and figuring out a certain play style or maybe just how, the, how they want to play as individuals um, could lead to maybe new ways of playing the game as a team, right? And that could be interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm always for somebody bringing something new to the table. And I think even like Rogue. I, Rogue is a team that really interests me because like Splice, again, going back to Splice, like they tried to play the team game, passes, things of that nature. And like you said, it didn't necessarily work out for them. But like the past couple showings that rogue has had, like they're very much give the ball to each other and they make it work. Like they have put up some good performances and I think made that strategy viable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying it can't work. Um, and I'm not saying that you're not saying that it can't work. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, and here's the other thing too, and this is kind of a different topic, but uh, we, we do have to realize, especially at the bubble team level, uh, a lot of the guys are pretty young. And if things don't work out, you know, if they don't get that instant gratification, yeah, uh, they're out. And even though it's a great team, like you could see the potential. It's just not perfectly optimized yet. And that makes me sad because there's a lot of great players uh, at the bubble scene level that uh, may miss out on being on a team because they get labeled as 
bad because the team that they were on was bad, but they're actually fantastic players and um, nobody wants to give them a chance or they're too quick to, you know, judge or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's too bad, but that, that, that'll come with time. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Um, well that just, we just kept on going, didn't we? This was, it's been <laughs> like almost two hours now. Hey, I get paid to do this. I can do this all day. <laughs> I don't get paid to do this. I could do this all day. <laughs> and you're not you're not expecting a check at the end of this, are you? I know you're used to getting no. <laughs> paid for doing these kinds of things. No, uh, I never get paid for these things. Okay. Yeah, cuz it quite frankly it's just not in the budget right now. That's okay. That's understandable. Okay, good. Good. Maybe maybe sometime in the future like, you know, <laughs> 5 to 10 years, but not today. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So, Corelli, besides your uh, booming streaming career, uh, if somebody wanted to uh, get in touch with you, follow you, see what's see what's going on, I'm sure that more often, well, in this situation, people will probably be listening to this because you may have tweeted it out or said something to somebody. So, uh, because you know our Twitter is right now sitting at zero followers uh but it in the off chance that somebody doesn't already follow you where can people find you out on the internet uh follow me on twitter at curly tv uh i think i also have an instagram you can follow me there i post stuff uh when i go cast and fun stuff there uh otherwise it's mainly just twitter i like twitter uh so if you tweet me i'll probably respond especially if you tweet me something ridiculous i usually respond to that stuff i find it funny so um yeah at corelli tv very nice and uh any final thoughts before we we call it quits uh no well nothing important uh i first of all appreciate (laughs) uh, appreciate you uh having me on this is a lot of fun Uh, like i said I could do this all day. I love talking about Rocket League. I love talking about the ins and outs of not only the game, but, you know, we kind of got into uh, the mental side of it and all that fun stuff. So um, I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of express myself here. And uh, yeah, that's it. Follow me on Twitter. (laughs) Yes. Follow that man on Twitter for the content, the Rocket League content (laughs) king. Oh gosh. I get, you know, I get introduced on broadcast like that now. You know that? What? I got what? the, the I got introduced on that on Rival Series. They called me the Content King, like Haloran, the host. He called me that for like 2 weeks straight. Oh, I had really? to tell him. Yeah, I had to tell him. I was like, "Hey man, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not actually just, producing any content. <laughs> I don't make any content. I I was just a joke." <laughs> well, get with it, man. Yeah. I'll try. Uh, that sounds very committed. I like it. Well, uh, again, and believe me, it was, it was a pleasure having you on the second version, my Tom podcast 2.0. It was, uh, obviously a pleasure, uh, really enjoyable. I, I, uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, if you are coming, uh, to listen to us for the first time and you made it all the way here, thank you so much. Uh, if you want to connect with us online, and by us, I mean me. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Chasing GC Pod on Twitter. We are only on Twitter. That is the place to be. Obviously, uh, actually, another thing that you can do is there is an app called Anchor 
anchor.fm. And there's actually a feature that you can download that app and leave a voice message for us. So if you want to leave me a message or you might have a question that you're curious about the game or, you know, if you're gold, platinum, silver, bronze, champion, and you just have a question, something that you might think one of our guests would be able to answer for you, drop me a message and we might just be able to ask that question or stick it into one of the podcasts here coming up. So check that out as well. Uh, It's been, again, Corelli, just a blast having you. This was a really good conversation. I can't believe we went so long. Uh, There was just so much good stuff to talk about. So thanks for sticking around. That's all. We're cutting it here.